And this stanza is called truth. Being true is a verb, not a logical statement. Because truth is living, porous, manifest. The search for truth is the search for refreshing water in a desert, a necessity which is hard to find. Truth is distinct from inclination, instinct, habit and language. It is hard enough to encounter that few persist, and those that do must unravel themselves, stitch by stitch, until they become truth. In such becoming, the insincerity of the many is starkly visible, because those that become truth become like refreshing water in the desert. But looking out, they see mainly sand. So truth in the human world is a desolate situation, quite impossible to countenance without genuine courage, because it gives you nothing at all but the reality of living amidst sand. Although the person in truth has nothing at all, they also have no need for anything, for they have found it and needs occur to cover up the pain of living away from truth. Grains of sand grasp for anything to distract from the harrowing thirst, but truth alone can quench it. Without truth there is no justice, no meaning, no purpose, no way, no life. There is no hope, except that the truth may be found. And finding truth is a relief without comparison. The true person drops like a stone to the bottom of the ocean, while sailing to the stars on the wings of the divas. Because this is it. This is what life is entirely about. And this is a commentary to the stanza called Truth. And this is a very difficult stanza to explain because it defies the very basis of a reasonable explanation. So we're used to thinking about truth as that which is contrary to false. And very often this seems to imply the realm of ideas, of language, of statements. So a statement is taken to be true if it does not suffer any logical fallacies and accords with perceptions of the world. 
And related to this is the moral notion of honesty and dishonesty. And again, this is largely in the realm of language and speech. So, one speaks the truth, or one lies. And a further version of this is the relationship between knowledge and the world. So something is true if it conforms to substantial evidence which validates it to be true. Now, if I was in a court, or speaking with a friend, or involved in acquiring scientific knowledge, I would not wish to deny any of those notions of truth. In fact, I think they all work well enough. Which is to say that formal logic holds in most cases. And honest speech is indeed a moral virtue. And good scientific evidence must be countenanced. So in this stanza, I'm not suggesting that we throw any of those things away. However, I am saying Truth is itself something prior to those things. Something more intrinsic, more innate, more of a verb than it is a concept or logical statement. And it is perhaps quite impossible to qualify what truth as a verb actually is or what it might look like. Because it is by nature elusive and difficult to find. And it never quite manages to descend into the level of coherent explanation. So the stanza pays heed to this impossibility and also heed to the basic elusive character of truth. And the basic idea is that truth verges very, very close to another big and mysterious notion reality. In fact, it is interesting that in Sanskrit, the word sat or satya describes both simultaneously. So in the Indian yogic traditions, truth and reality are not so easily prized apart. And maybe this key point is actually twofold. Firstly, that truth and reality do converge and coalesce together. And secondly, that we usually live quite apart from both. And it is this second point which is the main theme of the stanza, the unpleasant fact that most of us live quite afar from truth as a verb, truth as lived, embodied, experienced, truth as satya as reality. Living in such a way is a haunted experience because there is an ever-present, persistent and unyielding thirst that follows such a mode of living. And it is the thirst for truth. But this thirst is usually misrecognized. So one concocts all sorts of other desires and needs to chase, none of which ever truly quenches that thirst. So in this sense, the stanza is also saying something rather fundamental about desire, namely that there is one primordial desire, the desire to drink 
from the waters of truth. And until such a moment occurs, one lives permanently in a desert, parched and dry, ever dehydrated, ever pretending that this is not in fact the case. And those that find their way into truth are quenched of that thirst, so they are deeply relieved. But there is also a deep pain in that, precisely because from their standpoint of being refreshing water in a desert, they see clearly the scope and scale of the unquenched thirst in others. Alongside their concoction of mirages, which are the very thing which prevents their finding of water. <laughs>